So welcome to church. Welcome to 2022. I love that you've chosen to join us as we, we begin um, this, this new year. So we've been talking about kind of things earlier. We brought some people up here. And I want to just acknowledge and bring before you the elders and the deacons this year. In the bulletin, you'll see a sheet. And uh, we, we, we printed that out because we want you to bring that home, put that in your bulletin, uh, put it on your fridge, just so you can pray and be aware of who God has in leadership here this year. So I want to just acknowledge those that served last year as elders and deacon and are stepping off, and then some of the new ones as well. So I just want to say thank you to Eric Noble, who was an elder for the last six years, and he is, he is off now because um, of term limits. And then for deacons, we had Jim Gale and Aaron Schleckenberg, and they did a great job over the last years. So I just want to say thank you to them as leaders and one of our you heard about we want to create disciples at home we also want to create godly godly leaders here at church and in, in among our our men that's why we're doing this sunday school class and that's why we want to emphasize this time as leaders so a couple of the new leaders coming on this year uh, we have matt fitch is coming on as a deacon this year and then ben vander cody is coming on as an elder so Commit to pray for them. And let me just read through the elders and deacons, just so you have the names in front of you. So the existing elders for this year are Jordan Van Leer, Mark C. Riley. Is he here? He just got back from the conference in Kentucky. Take, took a group of teen, uh, college students down there. Thank you for doing that. Mark Riley, Tim Hertzler, Kelvin Ackley, Mike Nienheis, and Al Mal. And then Ben will be our elders this year. And our deacons this year will be Steve Riley, Rob Rott, Bernie Saudi, Bob Schultz, Dave Riley, Scott Haig, and Matt Fitch. So if you can just join me as we pray for these men. So Father, beginning of this new year, we wanted to pause and say thank you for the leadership that you have raised up here at uh, FBC. And the families that they, 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 they come from and the families that they represent, Father. We know that Satan does not like men who are following hard after you. So, Father, we ask protections around their family that, that no arrows from the enemy will be able to penetrate their, their lives or their family's lives, Father. Keep them pure. May they have eyes only for their wives. May they, may they, may they seek you above everything else, Father. May this year, may their lives be blessed and may they dig deep into your word, into who they are in you. So, Father, thank you for the leaders of this church. And we commit as a body of church to pray for each one of them. We do this in your precious and holy name. Amen. So we're starting a, a new series. And uh, I'm just calling it Habits. And uh, there's going to be four weeks. So let me walk through what the next month is going to look like. So for today is who do you want to become? More importantly, who does God want you to become? And then on week two, we're going to have, can I have the next slide, please? In week two, we're going to have make your move. In this message, we'll discover the best new habits that you can start and that you can live out of the new identity that God has given you. So how to develop those habits. Week three, I'm going to title it Enough is Enough. We'll look at how we can break bad habits that we have in our life. And then week four, the habit of celebration. God wants us to celebrate things. He wants us to be people that celebrate what he is doing in his life. And I feel that as Christians, sometimes we don't know how to celebrate. 
and we want to celebrate what God is doing. So those are the four weeks of habits that we're going to look at. Now between week two and three is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. So I'm going to pause and I'm going to bring a message on, on abortion and Sanctity of Human Life, especially this year as it's going before the Supreme Court and some new rulings are going to come out. So that's coming up in uh, between two, week two and three. So, so we're doing this habit series at the beginning of the new year because people are often thinking about change in their life and who they want to become. We have new people show up at church because they want to get into the habit of going to church. Gyms fill up because people want to be healthy. People start running that usually don't run. People take an inventory of their lives and they evaluate, what is it that God wants me to do? So let me just ask you, how many of you have made a New Year's resolution this year? Okay, a handful, very, very few. The rest of you just don't care. <laughs> or the, I actually, on Fox News yesterday, they had a report. They said, like, majority of Americans don't make resolutions anymore because they just don't keep them. So they're, why even, why even do it? But I want to make a bold statement. If you take the principles that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks, five weeks, and apply them to your life and ask God to really move in you, you will see the trajectory of your life move forward. You will see it begin to change. We've just spent four weeks in the month of December talking about areas of our life that get frozen, that get stuck, and that we as believers are called not to live a life where it's always winter and never Christmas, but to live a life in the hope of the gospel. To live a life where we're moving forward and we're making a difference in the community. Being that salt and that light in the darkness that God has placed us. But in order to do that, we have to be connected to the light. We have to be in a relationship with Jesus, who the Bible says is the light. So you take the principles that we're going to talk about. And I guarantee you, if you apply them, there will be tremendous trajectory change in your life. And I believe that because I've watched people that have taken serious this whole issue about creating disciplines in their life and developing godly habits, and I've watched what God has done in their life. But I've also seen the opposite effect when these principles aren't applied. And in the last year and a half, I can say, honestly, I have not done a very good job with habits in my life. So this month, I am speaking to myself. And I needed to low learn and grow in this area. So, so if you're willing to take this seriously, I mean, I got some resources that I highly recommend you read. Of course, the first is the Word of God, and we're going to dig some principles out of it. And it's a great time of year to start a reading plan, whatever that might be. But then I like to listen to some podcasts. Not a lot, but Craig Grushel from Life, um, from Life Church, he has a great podcast on leadership. And I highly recommend listening to that. He did a series on habits three, four years back that was powerful. This book here is Atomic Habits. Not written by a Christian author, but it is a great book to help you develop habits in your life. This year, actually the last couple years, I've given my boys a book for Christmas. And I said, I want you to read this book, and then we'll discuss it throughout the year. We got together at... um, B-dubs a few years ago and talked about a book by Tony Dungy. And it's just a great habit. So this is a good book to, to read. And I'm doing that with my boys this year. And then this book, Pastor Stucky put me on to it um, last year. It's called Habits of Grace by David Mathis. And it's Enjoying Jesus Through Spiritual Disciplines. Another great resource as we talk about habits. 
So I'm, I'm going to give you a statement, and I want you to remember it. I want you to write it on your notes. I want you to put it on your phone, tattoo it on your neighbor's arm, whatever it takes for you to remember it, because we're going to be talking about this a lot. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. We need to be reminded that, that as we're going through the grind, when it's mid-February or early morning, that there's got to be a reason. There's got to be something to help motivate us. Because successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Now, the whole definition of a success, and we can talk about that, that, that as we go through this thing. I was at... Uh, um, base camp a couple Monday nights ago, and there's a testimony from a guy there, and he talked about how his grandpa was a pretty poor, common type of guy. Not a very successful guy in the, in the eyes of the world, but he had significance among the people around him. When it came to his funeral, they were lined up down the street. They had to do two services because he had significance. So successful, significance, whatever you want that to look like, it's important. But successful, say it with me, successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. To give you an illustration of that, and I didn't take it along, that's all right. We'll see. Stephen, if I came to you and said, I'm going to give you $3 million, hypothetically, today, would you be excited? Yeah. Oh, very excited. Now, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either take $3 million today, or you can take a penny that will double every day for 30 days. Which one would you choose? He'll take the million dollars. How many of you would take the million dollars? Three, three million. Three million. How many of you would take the three million dollars today? Yeah, a lot of you. But listen to this. On day 10, you would look very smart. On day 20, you would even look smarter because you would have way more money. Even on day 29, you would still have more money at the 3 million than taking the penny that double. But then you get to day 30. Next slide, please. You get to day 30 and watch what happens. At day 30, that penny is worth $5.368 million. Bad choice. Healthy habits played out over time produce massive game-changing, life-changing results. So here's a definition of a habit. A routine or practice performed regularly. A routine or a practice performed regularly. An automatic response to a specific situation. An automatic response to a specific situation. So, so if you look through your Bible, you see people that are very successful. And you will see some habits that they have. I don't think anybody would argue with me that, that Jesus was probably the most successful person in the Bible. Any arguments to that? You never see Jesus saying, I just don't have time to pray today. I, I'm too busy. He could have. He, ha- he could have had a lot of excuses. This guy, Peter, he says some stupid things, and I'm always cleaning up his mess. Or, or Judas, 
what, what a character he is. I need to go check on what Judas is up to all the time. Or, or those Pharisees, they, they try so hard, but they don't get it. Maybe I need to spend more time teaching them. Or, or there's always people to heal. There's people that need to see. Instead, Jesus had the habit of breaking away from the crowd, the daily grind of life, and getting alone. Building into that relationship with his Father. If that's important to Jesus, how much more important it has to be for us? What about Paul? The Bible says he was a man just like us. In Acts 17, we see his habit of going to the synagogue, where he teaches, where he prays, where he, he, he creates the dialogue at the synagogue. He had that habit in his life. Boaz, every time he cleaned a wheat field, he would leave extra wheat so that widows and poor people could come into the wheat field. He had the habit of being generous. Daniel, he prayed three times a day. King David made it a habit to praise God. That's where all the Psalms come from, all of these praises to God. So starting 2022 is a good time to take inventory of our habits. Sean Covey, the author of Seven Effective Habits of Highly Successful People, says this. Depending on what they are, our habits will either make us or they will break us. Depending on what they are. If we don't like or if we have habits that we need to break or develop, even new ones, there's, there's always room for all of us to grow because our habits are going to determine where we're, what direction we're heading. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is one of my life verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new has come. All of us. Even if you think you've arrived, which hopefully nobody in here has, need to establish healthy, godly patterns in our life. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into us and say, what areas of my life do I need to grow in? What areas of my life am I struggling in? And then let the Holy Spirit teach us and listen to him. And then we have work to do as we partner with the Christ who lives in us. So I want to, myself, I want my family, I want you guys to make healthy, godly patterns and habits in your life. And if that means making a New Year's resolution, go for it. Find a time to start and, and, and move forward. And I will be your biggest cheerleader as you move forward, as you develop those habits. Why? Because 92% of habits are broken 92% of resolutions are broken by Valentine's Day. 92%. So how do we become the 8%? So I want to look at Romans chapter 7, just beginning at verse 14. And we're going to look at a few different verses. But as you're turning there, this is how it starts out. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. Romans 7 verse 14, that's the first part of it. So a little context as you're looking up that chapter. God, God gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments, the law. And he says, this is my heart. This is how I want you to live as my people. This is my standard. It's good. It's, it's right. 
it reveals to us and to the Israelites how we don't measure up. How we choose sinful patterns over the things of God. So Paul is saying that this, good, this law is spiritual and it's good. And, and it reminds us how desperately we don't measure up to the law. We constantly fail. We constantly don't make it. We can't do it on our own. And then look, look, what, look what Paul says next in, in that chapter, in verse 7 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with who? Me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I, I want to stop eating so much junk food. I want to exercise more and get out of beds on those cold mornings. I want to stop looking at pornography. I want to stop procrastinating. I want to be a better encourager and not so nitpicky. I want to be generous. I want to stop buying so much stuff off of Amazon. I want to go to church, but my family's the only day their home is on Sunday morning, so I stay home. I want to find a new group of friends, but my old group of friends is so much fun. I want to be nice to my parents. But that's hard. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Ever feel like Paul? Honestly? I know I do. I do. I know I have victory in Jesus. I know I have a new identity, but I feel that way. And then look what he does. Jump down to verse 24a. Verse 24a. Oh, what a miserable person I am. He ties his identity to his actions. Have you ever thought about that? that? Have you ever had those thoughts, the same thing that Paul has? Because of the choices you make, that your identity is wrapped up in that? Paul shifts. Let's actually read the next one, verse 24b. Oh, what a miserable failure I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? So he's asking that question. He knows what the issue is. There's sin in his life. There, there's this power in his life, this sin nature, not allowing him to make the choices that, not, he's not making the choices because of that. But then, look at his answer to this question. Everybody read this with me, starting with the thank you. So let me read the first part. Who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Paul shifts when he realizes that it is in Christ where he finds what he needs. It is in Christ where he finds freedom from sin. It's in Christ where he finds healing. It's in Christ where he can discover his joy. It's in Christ where he can have lasting peace. It's in Christ where, who makes all things new and gives him a new identity. It's in Christ where he can grow in that identity. It doesn't matter what path we've walked. Jesus has come to make you new. Jesus has come to give you a new identity, a new start. Oh, but Ryan, I've failed so many times. Get back up. Start believing what Scripture says. Thank you, God. My prayer is that everyone here will experience the fullness of life that God has for you. That the habits you build this year will be God-honoring and God-pleasing. And your life's trajectory 
Start moving to who God wants you to be. Because successful people do consistently what other people only do occasionally. So why, uh, why is it so often that we have good intentions and then don't follow through? And we know it's because of sin. But I want to share three reasons that we don't succeed in our goals and the desires that we have. Why we struggle to become who we want to be and who God wants us to be. So the first one, we focus on the what and we don't understand the how. James Clear in Atomic Habits says that winners and losers, not that you're a loser if you don't meet your goals, but the people who succeed and the people who don't succeed in meeting their goals, they have the exact same goals. If I went around through here, I guarantee we could come up with a list of some of the same goals. Everyone that's on a team wants to win a championship. And it's so fun to be in heart and watch championships be won lately. Every marriage wants harmony and to live happily ever after. Everyone wants to be financially successful and free. All true Christians want to grow in their relationship with God. Goals don't determine success. If they did, everyone would be winners. Systems determine success. Habits determine success. Here's another quote from James Clear. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems or your habits. You may say, that doesn't sound very spiritual, Ryan. I would contend that it's incredibly spiritual. When we look throughout the Bible, we find systems and habits all through the Word of God. God is a God of order. And order does not happen by accident. Order happens within a system. God's character does not change. No matter what you're feeling or what you're going through, God's character does not change. So we know there are certain things that are true about God, but we also know there are certain things that are true about us and how God sees us and how he wants us to live and how he wants us to get there. That doesn't change. It's laid out in the scriptures. So through this, through this study, we will look at different men in the Bible that have had habits in their life. And I, I mentioned Daniel earlier, and we're going to look at Daniel and his friends a lot next week. But he was a young Hebrew kid who got carried off into exile. But he rose to a place of prominence in the Babylonian government. He had a deep personal relationship with God. So much so that people took notice and they hated him for it. They actually threw him in the lion's den for it. But I guarantee that came out of his habits. He loves God so much, he says, I want to do anything I can to develop habits that please God. And three times a day, he bows in prayer. No matter the consequences, he had habits in place. We get so, so fixated on the results. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to pay off the credit card. But we don't change the system or the habits that got us there in the first place. Once we change the habits, the results will change as well. If we don't change the habits, we'll just be beating our heads up against the wall. We need goals. We need the what. 
But the how is more important than the what. Are your habits leading you to meet your goals? Second reason we don't succeed in our goals is we often don't see progress fast enough. You know this is true. You run on the treadmill for a, a few weeks. You step on the scale and you're like, liar. <laughs> Said you gained two pounds. You read the Bible all week long. You get in the car to come to church. The kids are fighting. You lose it on them. You want to pay down your student loan. So you said, I'm not going to have coffee. I'm not going to go to a coffee shop. Sorry, some of you couldn't live without coffee. I'm not going to go to a coffee shop for a month. And you save $100. And the end of the month, you're excited. You put it on your account. So instead of, so you put it on your account. And you got $32,900 remaining. You put $100 on. You got $32,800 remaining. You're like, yippee. What difference did that make? Our life is the sum total of the small decisions that we make. You will make the right big decisions when you make the right small decisions. Because you will have a habit developed into your system that will get you there. Every habit adds up. Very few people wreck their lives with a bad habit all at once. It works like this. A little compromise here. A little fudge of the number here. A little, uh, a little white lie here. A little glance here that lingers a little too long at the wrong person. And don't do that. And then all of a sudden you end up way over here and you're like, how did I get here? But it's the same over here. It's little positive choices, little habits that add up. It's a little bit in savings this month. It's it's. Telling the truth in this situation. It's not having a Coke. It's getting up 15 minutes early in the morning. One of my highlights of the day. I am an early morning person. So when I get up, the house is dark. Over the last year, one of the highlights when it's been dark is I pull out of the driveway. And there's one light on in my house. It's up in my son's bedroom. He's getting up early so he can sit at his desk and he can read the Word of God. Little successful, little choices lead to success. And then all of a sudden you're way over here and you're like, wow, how did I get over here? And people begin to take notice. But people are also jealous when you have success and they say things. And, they, and they're, oh, you're an overnight success or that just comes easier. Your metabolism is different. Might be, but they don't see how you work, how, how hard you work. They don't see the moments when you had to overcome self-doubt. They don't see the moments when you had to fail and you started over. They don't see the moments when you're praying and crying out to God. They don't see the moments when you're sacrificing and they're out having fun. They don't see the moments when you endure criticism. They're not there when you get up early or, or you stay up late and you're away grinding. The small, consistent habits that no one sees will produce the results that everybody wants. Uh, and that's when people take notice. So last year, I began the year talking about hospitality. That's another one of the elders' visions. We got four things. We talked about three of them already today. 
but hospitality. So at the beginning of the year, I brought a message. And I say, I want you guys to take hospitality serious. So here are some of the points that, that we had. The first one was, we wanted you guys to be a, a church where made people feel welcome. So you're out there, you're visiting, you're greeting. You come in here and you're greeting, but then the service starts and we, we become extremely serious and we're worshiping our God. But then we hit the benediction, and then all of a sudden the power has to load up. Post-hospitality, post Worship, hospitality, radar. You start looking around. You're like, who, who is it that I can visit? Who is it that I don't know? So how are you doing with that habit of developing hospitality in your life? How, who have you invited over in the last year to build friendships with, to get to know better? Have you helped on respite night? The ministry is amazing. Are you helping in the kitchen? Hospitality, de- developing the habit of hospitality. The Bible says, Paul says, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You will see results. There will be a tipping point. It's like when I cook. I, I, I like to cook, but I don't do it enough. All of a sudden, you're boiling water, and it's little, little bubble, bubbles, and all of a sudden it hits 212, and what happens? Pew! Bubbles all over. That's what happens when you make little choices. They're there. Paul says, at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired. And third, we do not achieve the goals we have. The reason we don't achieve the goals we have is our identity is distorted. And this is going to be our key through the next four weeks, three weeks. Wrong identity sabotages our success. Remember what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has come and the new has gone. When we have the wrong identity, this is what happens. I have an addictive personality. That's why I can't stop drinking. I'm not organized. I'm not good with people. Unhealthy identity creates unhealthy habits which feed our unhealthy identity. We need to talk to ourselves and see ourselves differently, biblically, godly. So I want you to take a different approach this year. Before you start with a to-do goal, start with a who-go. Say it with me. I sound, sound like an owl. Who-go. All right. Who does God want me to be? Who do I want to become? Who am I let, writing my identity? Do-goals aren't bad. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to create a savings account. But it's the who-goals is what's going to move you and the trajectory of your life. I want to be a man who honors God. I want to be sober. Identity shapes action. Identity shapes action. And when you know who you are in Christ, go down to the Romans 6 passage here, Brendan. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. So is that you this year? Have you become slaves to righteous living? Slaves to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to become the person that God wants me to be. Because identity drives actions. So much more I can say, and I'm looking forward to the next three weeks. But I've asked Ben to come up. I think that's the second or third time Ben's been mentioned in this service. 
It's not all about Ben. It's about God. But, but Ben is a guy that has habits in his life. Ben told me one time, I said, Ben, why do you exercise and get up so early? He goes, I hate being out of shape more than I hate exercising. Is that how you said? Close to that. <laughs> but he's going to tell his testimony wrapped around this whole idea of habits. Yet not I, but Christ in me. And uh, so I stand before you this morning, and uh, our habits determine our trajectory. And, and um, here's, here's what I know, is on my own, I am lazy, and I like comfort. That's who I am. I'm lazy, and I like comfort. Um, and I realized a few years ago, I went to play basketball at uh, Hart Middle School with some, some teaching, teachers there, and uh, it had been about three months since I had exercised, and I thought I was going to throw up all over the place. I was so out of shape. And so that was the day that I made the decision I hated being out of shape more than I hated exercising. Now, the problem for me was <clears throat> I had four kids, and they were aged five and under. And so um, there wasn't really a good time to exercise. So I finally figured out I'm going to put them all down to go to sleep, and then I'm going to go for a run. So I did. And I went for a run after 10 p.m. I got done about 11, and then I was awake for two hours because that's what happens when you exercise. And I went, this is a problem because morning is coming at the same time. <clears throat> and I don't like morning. So I had a decision to make. I hated exercise. I hated getting up early. But I chose, if, if, if I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to have to do it in the morning because this isn't working for me. So I got up early in the morning. I'd get up an hour before I had to be up, and I would start to go running. And I, I realized right away, I can't run every day. My body can't handle it. I need to recover. So I run every other day. And, um, and, and I started running in the morning, and um, a crazy thing started happening. I started running in the morning, and I started waking up before my alarm went off. And this happened for a month, and so I thought, man, I'm going to just try this. I'm going to turn off my alarm. Like, I shut it down, and, um, and all of a sudden, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't ever use an alarm clock anymore. Now, here, here's why I don't use an alarm clock, because I don't need one. And, he, and I don't need an alarm clock, not because Ben's so good, but because God wakes me up. God wakes me up every morning an hour and a half before I need to do what I need to do because that, my morning run has become my time with God. And I can no longer stand before you and say, I hate running because I don't hate running. It's not painful for me anymore because it's a consistent thing. I went for a run this morning outdoors, 26 degrees, 13 degrees wind chill. I went for a run this morning, not because I woke up and thought, man, it sounds so good to go outside. The decisions I had been made. Today is the day I run. I run every other day. I already made that decision. So when God woke me up, I got up this morning and I went for a run. I don't go far. I don't go fast. That's not my purpose. I'm not a marathon runner. I'm not as fast as Calvin Ackley. I have a problem with comparison in my life. I, I, and I, I realized, you laugh, this is true. I'm a people pleaser. 
I would love 10 years ago to stand up here and think, man, if everybody could just think, man, if I could be like Ben. No, don't think if I could be like Ben. Think if I could be like Jesus Christ. And you see, I realize that my running, my purpose is I want to be used by God and I have to be physically able to do that. And so for me, it's running every other day. You don't have to run. Maybe it's swimming. Maybe it's walking. I don't care. Build habits that move you in the direction you want to go. That's what discipline is. It's saying yes to what you want to do and saying yes repeatedly. I always thought discipline was saying no. I had to say no to the things that were fun. It's saying yes. Well, God started me on a journey of discipline that it began with running, but then I went to a coaching um, training that I was doing, and I was leading the the training. And I remember distinctly, part of the training was you practice coaching. And we had an odd number of people, so one of the participants I matched up with so that he would have a partner, and he coached me, and it was a 20-minute conversation, and I said, one thing I want to work on in my life is I want to work on memorizing Scripture. I know that putting God's Word into my heart is an important thing, and I have all kinds of good excuses why I can't memorize. It takes work. I don't have time. And so as I went through this coaching conversation, I came out of this conversation that on my drive home, I was going to call my friend, you know him, Mike Nienheis, and I was going to ask him, Mike, on Friday, can I call you, and will you just listen, and I will share with you five verses that I've memorized this week. And Mike said he would do that for me. Now, here's what I found. I can make a lot of excuses to myself, and they work for me every time. But I can't look at Mike on Friday when I call, or, or talk to him on Friday and, and give him the same excuse because it doesn't work when I give it to Mike. And Mike is expecting that I'm going to have my five verses memorized. Now, here's the fun part. I didn't call him last Friday. I missed it. I had the verses done. I just, because of New Year's Eve, and it was my wife's birthday. I won't go into how old she is, but you can say happy birthday to her. She is older than me. (laughs) But but again, I stand before you, and I, I didn't do it. I have this habit built into my life. I've been doing it for five years. Here's what I'm going to tell you, though. When you memorize Scripture five verses at a time, I have memorized through the entire book of John. I've memorized through the entire book of Proverbs. Now, I don't stand up here to brag, because if you would quiz me, what's, tell me John 6, 36, I don't know it anymore. But five verses at a time, I've built a knowledge and an understanding, and God brings things to mind as I need them. And I'm just going to stand before you five verses at a time. I memorized an entire book of the Bible. You can too. If I, like I look at, if, if I can do it, you can do these things. Decide, like as Pastor Ryan's talking about, what is it that you say, hey, this is what I want to become. I'll, I'll end with this. 
three years ago, I went to a conference for Christian camps. And at this conference, the speaker said to us, you need to journal. But he didn't just say you needed to journal. He actually provided a 20-page journal on all of our seats. And before he spoke for his first session, he said, listen, I want you to write three things that you're thankful for. And then we wrote three things that we were thankful for. Then on the front end of the next session that he taught, he taught four. He had us do this three times. And he said, now I want you to go. And for the next 21 days, I want you to write down three things every day that you're thankful for. That will be three years in March. I have written down three things that I'm thankful for almost every day. I've missed a couple. But it's not about what you miss. It's about that habit. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. As we walk through COVID, when everything got shut down, the habits in my life, running every other day, memorizing five verses, writing three things that I'm thankful for, allowed my life to do this when the world was doing this. And I stand before you grateful to God that he built thankfulness into my life because you can always find things to be thankful for regardless of our circumstances and situations. Now, I can stand up here, though, and I can tell you the three different areas that over here I'm making excuses still in my life that God's saying, Ben, I want you to work on over here. Yep, I don't think we've all arrived yet, have we? Not this side of eternity. But at the same time, I can celebrate that things that he has helped me put in place have helped me move toward who I want to become. And I want to become a happy old man not a grumpy old man. And I'm pretty confident if I stay thankful for three things every day, God is going to change my heart that I'm going to find things to be thankful for for the rest of my life. And I'm going to be a happy old man. 